Welcome to The Gaslighting Effect. I'm Angela, writer, teacher, cult survivor. After decades of being silenced, I'm finally finding my voice. Hello, listeners. Today I want to start us off by talking a little bit about the COVID shots that I got. I feel very lucky that I was able to get the first and second Moderna COVID shot. I had been told that the second shot was really going to knock me out for days and that I wouldn't even feel the first shot. And for me personally, that is not how it worked. The first shot I had a very intense reaction to. The shot itself was not painful, but, you know, the next day I had, like, a fever, exhaustion, nausea, disorientation. It really, I really had a strong immune reaction to the first shot. Which apparently, most people that I work with did not. And then I went into the second shot thinking I was going to be down for the count for two or three days. And it wasn't nearly as bad in terms of a reaction. I mean, I had some soreness in my arm, a really slight low-grade fever, and a, and a headache that sort of came and went that wasn't bad. And I was really, you know, back on my feet within 24 hours. So probably I'm unusual in that regard. Um, but it just goes to show that how each person reacts to a shot like that is probably an individual thing. I'm really glad I was able to get those shots because I'm going into work this morning for the first time since getting my second shot. And I have a few things to say about how things have been handled in my district. So if you will recall, in the last podcast, I talked about how the superintendent proposed to the school board that elementary kids would be back in person four days a week as opposed to the hybrid model in mid-March and that everyone would be back right after spring break at the beginning of April. I thought that was just a proposal because the school board hadn't voted on it. But the very day after the school board board meeting, the superintendent put out this email to the entire district saying that we were going to do this. And then, shortly after that, he got on Twitter and announced to the whole community that we were going to do this. And it was the same day that the CDC came out with their new guidance about how to reopen schools. And in the new guidance, it says that the six feet is non-negotiable if community spread is in the yellow or in the red, if it's high risk. And in our district, you go to the store and half the people there aren't wearing masks. And whenever I ask the kids what they're doing on the weekends, I always get lots of stories about their, how they're going to birthday parties and how they're traveling. So it's pretty clear that the people, for the most part, in my district do not take coronavirus seriously. At all. So is it really shocking that our numbers are high? No, not really. You know, we're, 
we border, we go between yellow and we go between red in terms of the danger zone. So on the same day that the CDC comes out saying that the six feet social distancing is non-negotiable when your community is in a high-risk zone, as ours is, the superintendent gets on Twitter and basically makes this a done deal. You know, this is what we're going to do. And he even says on Twitter, we're not going to be able to follow the six feet social distancing, so we'll have to do three feet. So if you started listening to this podcast late and you haven't listened to earlier seasons, you might not know that I grew up Mormon. In the Mormon church, there's this saying, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek. When we were members, we joked about it because we didn't think it was really true. But looking back, yeah, it was really true. There was this saying, once the prophet says it, the thinking has been done. Which means that once the prophet makes a decision about the name of the church changing or a policy changing in any way, the thinking has been done and you are not to question it, you are just to obey. We joked about that when we were members and believers because the church does tell its members to pray about things and to get a confirmation that what the prophet says is right. But really, it's understood that if you come to a different idea of what's right from what the prophet says, then you're being influenced by Satan or something, right? So it's not like you really have the choice to think for yourself. Well, that is strangely how I feel right now. I know that I'm not a member of the church anymore. And I know that I'm not in a religious organization which has sort of a thought crime way of looking at the world. I'm aware that I have free speech and that I'm allowed to question things, but I really feel kind of triggered by this, by the way it was done. The superintendent is by no means a religious figure. He's not a prophet and he does have, he doesn't have ultimate say. He's got the school board to go through, although this school board has not exactly been responsible this year. And we know that the school board is going to embrace this change because at least half of them don't even believe COVID is real. Or if it is real, they don't think it's that bad. So I know that he's not a religious leader, and I know that this is not the same as being a rank-and-file member of a highly controlling religion, like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like, I know that. But for some reason, I find this feels really familiar, and, and I kind of feel like I'm back being a member of a church like that when the superintendent relays this message like it's a done deal and the school board hasn't even voted on it and he doesn't even bother to look at CDC guidelines or community spread numbers to decide if it's a good idea before announcing it as a done deal, it feels just exactly like when the leader speaks, 
the thinking has been done. It's exactly what it feels like. So I've been sort of laying low because I don't want to be too vocal under my real name and get myself into trouble. But in the meantime, I just, this really feels like deja vu and not in a good way. And I see no point in speaking out to the school board in writing letters or in writing letters to the editor or in writing to the superintendent because just like when I was a member of that church, I know that anything I say that's contrary to their wishes will only be held against me. I mean, there are lots of people who feel as I do and they do write letters. There's a whole group that I'm a part of that does those kinds of things. So I know that that voice is in the community community, and I know that they are vocal, but I also know that they're being completely ignored. And my position as a teacher puts me in a place where if I am vocal under my real name, that could put my job at risk. And when I question the church, it put my marriage at risk and it, I felt like it put my relationships with my family at risk and my friendships at risk because I had a whole community back when I was a member. I had a whole supportive community and they all vanished. They all, most of them, completely vanished overnight when I left. I still do have some friends, but I can count them on one hand. (laughs) from from that community and I'm grateful for those friends because they've shown themselves to be real true friends but really pretty sad when you grow up in a religion for that many years for over 30 years and then you stop believing and you lose that many people I mean the line at our reception at, at our wedding was so long it was out the door and clear winding around the parking lot and yet the number of people that I'm still friends with after leaving that community I can count on one hand that's a pretty big indictment in terms of the kinds of friendships and how deep they are that are cultivated in that community moving on I wanted to talk a little bit about something positive today. I wanted to talk about what keeps me going right now. I have my children, of course. I feel very lucky that I have sweet, wonderful teenagers who listen to me, who are creative and thoughtful, who are their own people. And really, I do most of what I do and keep going for them. I also wanted to talk a little about my boyfriend today. It's interesting to me that when you look back at your history, and maybe this is just me, when I look back at my history, the way I was treated in prior unhealthy, bad relationships really shapes what I appreciate now in my healthier relationship. So in my marriage, There was a lot of there was a lot of neglect from him in terms of treating the children and the home like they were his home 
you know, it was really my job to do everything. I was the one who put the kids to bed. I was the one who changed the diapers. I was the one who fed the children. I was the one who woke up in the middle of the night when the children were fussing, especially the babies. I was the one who cleaned throw up off the floor and out of the carpet at 2 a.m. I was the one who went grocery shopping. I was the one who made the meals and the one who cleaned up after the meals. I was the one who read to the children. I was the one who was supposed to keep the house clean. And he would come home from work and sit in a room and turn on the television on one side of him and the computer on the other and play video games on the computer at the same time that he was watching Fox News. And he would just sit there after dinner for hours until it was time for, for it was time to go to bed. And he wouldn't interact with the children and he wouldn't really interact with me unless we were willing to sit next to him in that very loud and chaotic confusing room it was really sensory overload for me and he would come to bed and he would want to you know get busy but in the meantime in his spare moments when he wasn't eating dinner or sitting in his room telling the kids to go away he was complaining about how the children wouldn't leave him alone and I needed to get them to shut up. Or he would complain about how the house wasn't clean enough and how the laundry needed to be done. And he would talk about what a great husband he was because he would wash one pan. I helped you. I helped you because he washed one pan. And nothing I did was up to his standard. Nothing was good enough. Well, in the meantime, he really wasn't lifting a finger. So that's the kind of relationship that I had with this man for the years that I was married to him. And that has really shaped what I appreciate now. Because my boyfriend, you know, we don't live together. We're not married. I see him every week or every couple weeks or so. And I should probably add also that my husband would tell me a lot that he loved me. He'd tell me that he loved me, but then he would do something to show me that he didn't. And because I grew up with a family that said I love you a lot, who acted basically the same way, who would say they love you and then hurt you, I really thought that's what love was. I didn't understand how messed up that was. So that's where I came from. Now, my boyfriend does tell me he loves me, but when he does that, he actually does things that show me that he loves me. Because talk is cheap. He writes me notes every morning. We text every morning. And they're all very sweet. And, the, you know, those feel nice. But the things that I really appreciate the most are that if he comes over and he sees I'm overwhelmed with housework... He will sweep the floor. He will sweep the floor. If he comes over and he can see that I'm just having a really hard time staying on top of keeping the kitchen clean, he will load the dishwasher. You know, if I'm working on something 
like math because you know I'm taking calculus right now so if I'm working on schoolwork or I'm working on lesson plans or I'm working on something and I'm working really hard or I'm being creative and he wants me to keep going and he wants me to not be frustrated he will go into the kitchen and he will put snacks together and he will bring them to me I've never had someone in my life so invested in my well-being and it, it feels amazing because it's reciprocal and not just that it's reciprocal but he actually cares he does it because he wants me to be happy and he doesn't like to see me overwhelmed and he's not above using a broom and sweeping the goddamn floor of course, he never wants me to say anything when he does it. He, he likes to wait until I'm not in the room and do it when I'm not looking. It's so sweet. And, you know, I appreciate it so much that uh, the last thing I would do is micromanage him in the way that he does these things. You know, he sometimes put, puts pots in the dishwasher. And my kids complain about it. And I'm like, no, don't, don't complain. Please don't complain. He's doing the dishes. He's doing the dishes. I'm so grateful. I would rather buy new dishes because the nonstick surface comes off in the dishwasher than be with a partner who doesn't see the value in helping with dishes. I just wanted to share he's it's so great having someone like that in my life and it makes me feel like life is worth living and that someone actually cares whether I live or die you know when we went back to school because we are in person now we're hybrid at least we have small classes but yeah we're hybrid he knew that the masks that the school was providing us weren't going to be the best quality masks. So he went and bought K95 and KN95 medical grade masks that I could wear because he wanted me to be protected. Ooh, you can hear the train in the background, can't you? It's loud. Okay, so... To close this podcast, I wanted to read the card that he gave me for Valentine's Day because it's so sweet. And, you know, we need a little more sweetness on this podcast, don't you think? And it's going to give me motivation to write something sweet to him because I do need to sit down and write something sweet to him. Dear Angela... If you ever have a day that is tiring and confusing and that leaves you feeling lost, know that you are not and never can be lost. You are my true north, pure and unwavering and with an allure that compels me to find you. I love you. And with that, I'm going to close this podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day.
If you enjoyed this episode, consider joining me on the Facebook page called Spotlight on Spiritual Abuse. You can message me there or post. And remember to always trust your instincts. Don't let others tell you how to think.